Welcome to Option Plus Podcast, your source of knowledge for liberty, increasing your options, life hacking, privacy, and cryptocurrencies. In this episode, we will interview an artificial intelligence, talk about implications, and high-level workings of a pattern recognition-style learning. On a serious note, we don't know where you live. I don't know what local laws, accounting standards, and health regulations apply to you. Always consult with local professionals such as lawyers, accountants, tax consultants, and doctors in order to stay safe and out of jail. None of this podcast could be considered advice of any kind. I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's dive in. Dear listeners, in order to increase your optionality, I am producing content in the form of courses, books, and blog posts. I would like to tell you about two courses that increase your privacy and allow you to break free from the financial system. The first is called Firefox Setup for Better Privacy. I will explain in an hour how to migrate to Firefox web browser, set up extensions for less tracking, more encryption and better privacy. The second course is called How to Use the Lightning Network and we go through the setup of common wallets that use Bitcoin's Lightning Network. This network allows instant cheap Bitcoin payments among users, including payments to merchants. Lightning Network is always privacy focused and Bitcoin is a hedge against inflation and possible collapse of the state financial system. So please check the courses on my website hackyourself.io. Hello, hello and welcome to Option Plus podcast. In this episode we will talk with artificial intelligence. Uh, That means that we will uh, play a conversation between me and GPT three by OpenAI, and uh, by this I think you can understand uh, the current state of artificial intelligence a little bit better and then we will talk about what it means, how it learns, um, what capabilities it has now and how we can use it to increase our freedom or if it's a threat to our freedom, uh, especially in the case of privacy. So first, let's talk with GPT-3 about freedom and liberty and uh, non-hierarchical relationships. And you will see that uh, the artificial intelligence that is trained on publicly available data has a very different view of hierarchies than me. But we were still able to have a meaningful conversation. Before the interview, the AI was primed with some articles of me uh, that were in the Slovak and they were translated uh, from Slovak to English by another AI called Google Translate. And uh, But what is interesting is that uh, the AI never gave uh, even a part of sentence um, uh, from the article. So uh, it really uh, created, uh, I would say, novel answers, uh, not primed by my article. Um, maybe they were um, parts of sentences from the internet, uh, but uh, it was more or less able to hold uh, the context of the conversation. And uh, I think it's pretty interesting. So um, uh, my voice will be questions. uh, Billy Joel's voice will be answers. And let's dive in. 
Tell me the baboon story from Robert Sapolsky. When Robert was studying baboons, there was an outbreak of a virus that affected the hippocampus region of the brain, causing animals to go insane. The typical symptoms were for them to attack members of their troop and ultimately die. Robert watched as the entire troop of baboons refused to even submit to the alpha male. They would not obey his commands and instead resorted to fighting for themselves in a warrior style, which Robert explained as stupid. He knew it was not in their best interest to fight this way and was looking for an alternative way to avoid fighting. The troop he was studying eventually refused to fight at all and were ultimately safe from the virus. Alter the submission of the troop was the aloofness of the males. The usual alpha male of the troop, Robert studied, died of the virus, leaving two sub-alphas to fight over the troop. Who won? The two sub-leaders eventually killed each other, leaving no hierarchy and thus no more fighting. Robert found that the entire troop survived this incident with no further issues. Did they create a hierarchy again? No, the monkeys did not. The group lived in peace for over 20 years as a peer-to-peer -peer group. Can humans live in peer-to-peer -peer groups? Yes, humans can. After an alpha male is established, everyone else has to submit to it, though in a different way than the baboons do. They may submit to a human leader in an alike or friendly way, in which case the leader will gain more followers. Alternatively, humans can submit in a lower way, in which case the leader will lose followers. However, humans can also choose to not submit at all. This is known as free riding and is a common problem in society. Free riders are individuals who benefit from the work of others but do not contribute to the group in any meaningful way. What about people that do not want to submit but want to live in a peer-to-peer -peer way and contribute to the society through creativity and entrepreneurship? Are there such positive examples? Yes, but they are the exception and not the rule. The vast majority of people want to be in a hierarchy. Why is that? Is it genetic? There are many hypotheses on this, but the two most popular are Gigerenz's mental accountant and Homo comprehensive Machiavellianism. Mental accountant posits that humans evolved to always compare our current situation to our past situation to see if we are better or worse off. This gives the impression that humans always try to improve their situations. In nature, this would mean that the group is always trying to improve and that those who do not submit are at a disadvantage. Homo comprehensive Machiavellianism posits that humans evolved to be nice, but also to be smart. We try to be nice so that we can take advantage of others, but we want to seem smart so that we do not appear dumb. How can nice people take advantage of others? Why would they? Nice people would never take advantage of others. This would go against their nature. However, as nice people, they will choose a leader who will take care of the group. Let's talk about people who do not wish to live in hierarchy. What are their main character traits? The non-submitter wants to be independent, but does not have the means to do so. He can't support himself, and so he has to join a group. But a group doesn't have to be hierarchical, right? It can be a group based on voluntary exchange. In that case, those who do not wish to contribute would join such a group. That is correct. If there are no orders or commands, then there is no hierarchy. Independent, peaceful and carefree life has many benefits. The main one being that you do not have to obey anyone else. You can travel, trade, do whatever you like without anyone telling you what to do. 
What if I don't want a leader at all? If I don't feel tied to any leader and do not see any benefits, what then? You can form a group to defend and help each other. This type of group is known as a guardian angel or defense pact. Have you heard of temporary autonomous zones? Temporary autonomous zones are areas where people agree to temporarily give up the concept of ownership of things in exchange for protection. That's not what I meant. How would Hakim Bey define TAZs? Hakim Bey's TAZ is slightly different from other TAZs. Other TAZs typically include common ownership. How do the concepts of freedom and optionality relate? Optionality is the freedom to choose. Without optionality, you are not truly free. How do I increase optionality? The main way to increase optionality is to learn how to defend yourself. If you have the means to defend yourself, then you do not need to rely on anyone else. How do I defend myself? Hakim Bey's teachings emphasize self-sufficiency. In order to survive in the world, you need to be able to provide for yourself and your needs. How does Bitcoin and freedom relate? What freedom do Bitcoin users have that users of standard fiat system do not? Users of the Bitcoin network have the same degree of freedom that users of the black market have. The standard fiat system is controlled by a government, which means that you have no real freedom with it. So that was the interview. I hope you liked it. And now let's uh, talk a li- little bit about uh, what happened. So some parts uh, were uh, really, I would say, um, not where I wanted uh, the conversation to go. Uh, the AI was pushing me into uh, the benefits of hierarchies. And I was uh, looking to uh, learn more about benefits of uh, peer-to-peer groups. But what was really interesting is that, uh, for example, uh, during the part uh, where we were talking about TAZs, Hacking Base Temporary Autonomous Zones, this is probably the part of conversation that m- most of the listeners did not understand so it is interesting that uh, i could have a meaningful conversation about the concept that is not very common and probably most of you didn't understand it but uh, don't worry we will talk about uh, temporary autonomous zones in this podcast later um, also what is interesting is uh, how well did it answer the questions about optionality freedom and bitcoin so really uh the the users of bitcoin have the same options as the users of the black market so this is interesting uh, and let's see what it means for the future for our freedom for our options and so on so a lot of people would say that uh, gpt3 is basically a sophisticated parrot it learns by finding patterns in large amounts of texts on the internet wikipedia websites uh, books and so on and it learns only relationship between words and sentences so i would argue uh, that that's actually how a child learns language at least as uh, as well so uh, children recognize patterns first they see um patterns of uh, dark and light then they 
start recognizing contours, uh, then they start recognizing faces and objects, and then they can say, okay, this is a cat based on the particular shape uh, uh, of of the object uh, and uh, colors and other features. So learning language is uh, similar in a way. Uh, when uh, when a child learns language, uh, we are repeating certain words in certain context, and that's how a child learns a language. A uh, child is basically a sophisticated parrot. So for me, uh, I think GPT-3 is a really good foundation for any kind of AI because... Um, it really uh, learned a lot of great patterns uh, that other researchers, other AIs can build on. So um, I like another um, analogy uh, of AI uh, that I got from Paul Rosenberg's The Breaking Down, which is an uh, which is uh, an amazing book. I highly recommend you to read it. And there uh, Paul compares uh, machine intelligence more to machine intuition. It's a heavily trained, huge statistical model, which is almost exactly what most of our intuition is. If you take out the lowest instincts that we are born with. Having access to this intuition is amazing. There is knowledge encoded in this statistical model, just not the type of knowledge most people associate with hyperintelligence. It is a much better intuition than a human one, not a very good inference machine yet, so it cannot generate logical inference nor logically consistent post-rationalization. Which is funny because we are great at post-rationalizations. In intelligent people, they are even logically consistent. Having this model as an additional intuition based on the structure in the model and uh, then creating inferences and finding ways how to use it is amazing. So machine intuition means that it can give you some answer, not necessarily a good one, not necessarily a good one or the right one, but it cannot explain how it got uh, to that conclusion. So, for example, uh, if you have an AI that uh, processes uh, radiology images, it can say, okay, this person has lung cancer, uh, but it will not explain the diagnosis, uh, which is really interesting because this is what doctors do these days, especially radiologists. They explain the intuition of machine intelligence. So uh, this is really interesting. You can see it also uh, in, the, in the algorithms of social networks. Uh, the way they show you the content that you want to see, uh, they do not uh, have exact rules. For example, if Uri likes freedom, then show him whatever uh, it's related to freedom and add for a gun <laughs> but what uh, happens is uh, that it uh, learns the patterns uh, of the articles that i like uh, of um, stuff i comment on uh, on the type types of comments on sentiments and so on 
and it intuitively picks the right ad for me from the big set of ads that are configured uh, to be shown to a person like me. So this is a really interesting uh, concept. Uh, people associate AI, especially uh, from dystopian sci-fi movies as a uh, as machines uh, or programs that have a logical um, logical progressions uh, logical decision making a robot is programmed to do this and this and this but what we are seeing are really great pattern recognizers that cannot explain they do not have these uh, these uh, exact rules uh, they just spit out some answer and usually a good one so what is interesting is that this intuition uh, can probably be much better than ours because it's trained on uh, loads and loads of data uh, the AI only improves and uh, it improves uh, globally. That means that, uh, for example, if uh, an AI is driving a car and uh, it uh, finds uh, the self-driving car finds itself in a novel situation, it learns from these situations, but so do all the other cars, which doesn't happen from. Uh, it doesn't happen with humans, even if they see uh, uh, in the news that there was some particular kind of car accident. It doesn't make them immune um, of the from from the particular type of car accident. So. Um, for me, I think that AI is an amazing capability. I use a lot of AI even in producing this podcast. Um, many people would not call uh, the software, the programs that I use AI. I use it in a more broad sense, but uh, it's something that learns on patterns. So for example, I use a software that automatically adjusts audio. So for example, uh, if you uh, if you hear my voice and the voice of uh, the AI um, that uh, that I interviewed, um, uh, the AI voice was much louder, but there was a software that actually cleaned uh, the audio there is much less noise than from uh, from the from the recording and the levels are almost the same the service is called Ophonic by the way a u p h o n i c the next thing that i use quite often is google translate uh, or any other uh, ai machine translation service uh, because I have written a lot of uh, articles, books uh, and so on, a lot of texts in Slovak language and the way I translate this to English is uh, by using Google Translate and then uh, fixing the translation if it's not good enough but uh, it is really really good these days. Also uh, of course, I use the 
AI-based uh, voice generator for intros and for interviews. So the voice that you hear is not a human voice. Uh, probably most of you uh, got it by now, but uh, in case you didn't, it's a service called Speechello. So um, all these amazing software that uh, allows us to save time and money. Uh, I did not have to hire a translator. I did not have to hire a voice artists. I did not uh, have to hire a sound engineer. All these capabilities are just software capabilities that I can get access to either via cloud or uh, on my own computer. So AI as a service uh, is a really interesting concept. Uh, Mark Andreessen used to say, or at least said once, that software is eating the world. Uh, so a lot of things that were uh, either services or products are actually replaced by software. You no longer need an accountant. You need an accounting software that does the accounts for you. Um, I would say that AI is eating software. So more and more software is based on these AI algorithms and they're getting better and better, actually exponentially. I think they're following the more slow. Uh, we are also uh, more like cyborgs. We are interconnected with AIs. So we are on our phones constantly, we can ask any question and uh, the the algorithms on, on the other side, either Google or the voice assistants uh, and so on, uh, have the answers for us. So we no longer need uh, to go to a library and uh, read a book to find out what's the population of Panama City or something like that. And this is also an amazing capability. Of course, uh, uh, there are drawbacks. Uh, and one of them is that uh, we are losing capabilities that we don't use in our brains. So most of us uh, are really bad at navigating because uh, what we do always is we uh, turn on some mapping application like Google Maps or Apple Maps or OpenStreetMaps on our devices uh, when we want to get somewhere and we no longer know the way ourselves. That means that the parts of our brain that we used for navigation are not used, not trained uh, for, uh, for navigation anymore. And if we find ourselves uh, in a situation where we don't have access to our device, for example, the battery is off, <laughs> we, cannot, uh, we cannot navigate easily. So, uh, of course, everything has a drawback, but I think that this fact that, uh, especially in our work, we are outsourcing more and more to AIs is a really good thing. Um, so I perceive AI as a new colleague, uh, that uh, does not have its days. It works uh, exactly the same every day, can learn exponentially. I don't have to do anything for the AI algorithms to grow because they're developed by someone and they're being constantly improved. Um, 
So, what it means for our freedom? First of all, the implications for privacy are horrible. The surveillance system uses AI uh, not to not only to target ads uh, uh, or commercials uh, to our specific needs and wants. Uh, it also builds our profile. It sees if something is out of ordinary. It can probably tell easily if we are sick, if we are having a difficult uh, time in our lives. Um, it can probably tell when we are doing something that uh, we should not do according to the system. Um, so there is a lot to fear uh, and uh, a lot to watch for. Uh, the best way to protect ourselves against all these abuses of AI, big data and uh, surveillance intuition <laughs> is uh, to not feed the data. So uh, be conscious about what are you doing on the internet, what kind of data are you feeding these algorithms. On the upside, uh, we get freedom of more time. Uh, we exponentially increase our own capabilities. We are exponentially more productive. If we start using... Uh, all these great algorithms to produce more and better results, um, the effects could be could be amazing. I can uh, I can tell that um, some people are ten times more productive than other people, and the difference is usually that the less productive are paid for their time, so they have no motivation um, to. Uh, to produce uh, anything so because uh, for example if you are paid uh, uh, for working eight hours a day it doesn't matter how you spend those eight hours but for us uh, that work in a totally entrepreneurial freelance way we are not paid by the hour so if we use all these capabilities uh, either the ones that we grow ourselves or or the external capabilities in a way uh, that we are 10 times more productive we really can work one or two hours per day and uh, have exponentially better results actually so thank you for listening i hope you are not frightened by AI. Uh, it is something that we should be conscious about. Uh, we should uh, know how to use it, when to use it, and we should make sure that our own brains do not suffer from these new external capabilities. See you next time. Thank you for listening. You can find more information show notes, and contact information at optionplus.io. To help us build a map of areas in which people lack freedom, visit optionplus.io slash map. My Twitter account is J-U-R-B-E-D. See you next time. Live free and prosper.